Our next speaker is Mr. Kirk Gautier. He's a physician assistant in Tyler, Texas, in a large single practice dermatology practice with 14 providers. Mr. Gautier speaks at various events around the country with the SCPA and AAPA. He is past president of the East Texas Physician Assistant Society and director of communications for a local charity. If he could be anywhere right now, he would rather be doing mission work in Central America with Mercy, Mercy Ships International. Please welcome Kirk Gautier. Thank you. <clears throat> well, here we are again. And I'm actually kind of lucky that uh, Dr. Bukai just flew in from Singapore and didn't get her wake-up call, and I'm lucky that I don't have to follow her because she's fantastic, I think. Yeah, if y'all haven't heard her before, y'all are in for a treat. Uh, introduction into dermatopathology. Why, right? Okay, this is Nerd Lecture 101 for anybody who's curious. You don't have to know this. You might not want to know this, but if you ever do a biopsy, if you ever send anything to the path lab, you're going to get something back, right? There's some kind of an exchange here. Uh, so, you know, I've wanted this lecture for a while. I've wanted to hear somebody and kept waiting and nobody would ever kind of do it. So here we go. Um, it's really hard to find a slide of normal skin. Uh, this is like the only thing I could find. This is off of Wikipedia, just normal skin. This is actually not normal skin. This is a nevus right here, <clears throat> but uh, I digress. Here we go. Dermatology, the study of diseases of the skin based on their appearance, distribution, and really key right here, the evolution over time. You should never feel bad by missing a diagnosis based on a couple of things. One, um, stuff changes. You know, as we learned yesterday, little papules turn into rashes, turn into light, you know, turns into vasculitis. Uh, things change. Don't get mad at your colleagues either if all of a sudden they say, hey, I got this urticaria, you see them and it's molluscum. You know, things change. So don't be upset uh, with yourself or other people if they miss a diagnosis, because things change. Dermatopathologists, the study of the skin disease at the microscopic level, really interesting here is that it is a specific point in time. So. You've got four dimensions of a biopsy, the depth, the breadth, the length, and the time. The clinician is the only one that's got the uh, best advantage of time because the dermatopathologist, like I said, is just looking at it one split second in time whenever you see it. Do you ever get a biopsy back and it's like, man, that's not what I was expecting at all, right? You know, why, where did they come up with that? What do you do? Do you sit there and scratch your head, bring it back, rebiopsy them? Or do you have a good enough rapport and a relationship with your dermatopathologist that you can call them on the phone and say, hey, what were you thinking? What, what, what was I thinking? How did we miss this? You should, okay? I am fortunate enough to work with three most surgeons, two dermatopathologists. If I get that what the kind of a thing, I get to walk back and say, hey, pull the slide. I want to look at it with you. Let's see what you're talking about. And that's what they want. Okay, it's their business, it's their job. Not to say that they're your employees, but if you quit sending them their path or your path, they ain't got nothing to do, right? So, feel free. They wanna know, they wanna be able to make the right diagnosis, they wanna be able to help you just as much as we wanna have the right diagnosis. So, don't feel bad to call your dermatopathologist and say, please expand and expound on what you are telling me. Okay, so, people saw this slide yesterday, right? You do your biopsy. Has everybody been to a path lab? I know we all had to take some kind of a, you know, stuff, micro and everything like that in school. But let's take a little tour. You get your biopsy. You send it to the pathology lab. We've got, you know, some hazard ratings here. Braille, 
down here for some reason. Uh, phone number of uh, you know, the person who's in charge of it. Uh, you kind of step in, no eating, emergency response kit, bunch of trash cans, a bunch of instruments here we'll go through in just a second. So when the tissue comes in, it is processed. It uh, goes through a little treatment that kind of um, keeps it from rotting, basically. Uh, and then it is taken off, measured, all right? And then we need to put it in some kind of a medium where we can slice it. So we get it out, just room temperature at this point, a little bit of hot wax or paraffin. That's a cold plate that he's putting it on that kind of uh, starts to solidify the paraffin, set it down, more hot wax, and then you put it over here to an ice bath or it's just sitting on the top of a block of ice to cool off, okay? Isn't this nerdy? <laughs> then we're gonna get that block, put it here and slice it really thin. It's like printing money, right? Sliced it microscopically thin, put it on a little, in a little tank of uh, cool water that solidifies the paraffin, and that's how you pick up the slides, and that's how the, slide, the, um, the skin gets on the slide. Next, it goes to a stainer. You can have big batches of this, and this mechanical arm moves all back and forth and across, stains all the slides, stains the tissues the way it's supposed to be, and then it needs to be cover-slipped. So it's taken over to this machine right here, where you can see there's a bunch of uncover-slipped ones down here. This machine will pick them up, but it's got a little vacuum tube right here. It holds a, uh, a cover slip, brings it over, puts a drop of perma slip on top of it, and uh, gets the cover slip. It's kind of cool. It's fun to watch. You got to watch out for this one. This one will uh, break and spit glass at you sometime, though. So totally nerdy, I know. But then here's all the slides ready to be looked at by Dr. Graham, our dermatopathologist, really nice guy. So that's how the lab pretty much works. Has everybody been to one before? Has everybody kind of seen it, or is that just totally new? I know, this is intro, right, okay, so. All right, the skin, composed of three layers, epidermis, dermis, sub-Q, or the paniculus, all right? Epidermis is formed from keratinocytes. The dermis is uh, produced from collagen, produced by fibroblast. The paniculus, or the fat layer, is pretty much composed of lipocytes. Epidermis, uh, composed of three basic types of cells. There's the keratinocytes, the melanocytes, and the Langerhans cells. And they're also Merkel cells that are scattered in the body and act as slow-adapting touch receptors. Okay, we kind of touched on that yesterday with the Merkel cell carcinoma. And we've talked about Langerhans cells before, but we're going to get into this. I think this is totally interesting. I think you're really going to enjoy this. The epidermis may be divided into four zones, from the outermost to the inner layer. You've got, and I hate this, everything in dermatology, you've got two names to it, right? You've got the doc who found it, and then what it looks like, and then maybe some other name that we come up with. So, we, so we've got the horny layer, which, you know what, we can't keep that name. I mean, we can't call things the horny layer, right? And then that sounds like something out of Austin Powers. Hey, baby, can I touch your horny layer? Is that your horny layer? I mean, you know, we can't do that. So we're going to call it the stratum corneum. The granular layer, okay, is the second layer, the stratum granulosum. The prickle layer, stratum spinosum. There's a couple different reasons why we call it both different names. And there's the basal layer, or the stratum germinovatum, on the palms and soles, okay, and actually everywhere. But mainly where you see it on the palms and soles, there's actually an additional layer called the stratum lucidum, okay? 
just, and that's, this is supposed to be above, all right? So y'all might wanna scratch that out or, or change that when you go back to your, uh, when you get your little thumb drive, but it's just supposed to be above the granular layer. So here's the mnemonic. California girls love string bikinis, okay? So does Kurt Gottier, PAC. But California, corneum, granulosum, granular spinosum, uh, string, bikinis, basal layer, all right? The lucinum there is uh, the, the love. Um, little pearl, this is how I explain parigo and lichen simplex chronicus to my patients. They like this, all right? And I tell them, I was like, look, everywhere in your skin, you've got four layers, right, except the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. There, your body makes an additional layer to protect itself, to thicken, to keep external irritation out. I mean, you know, we use our hands, we walk on our feet, so we need to have some protection, right? You can make that other layer in other parts of your body if you cause friction. If you rub it hard enough, you're gonna start to make that fifth layer, but your body knows it's not supposed to be there and it starts to reach up and grab it and start trying to pull it back in. That's why it feels weird to us, okay? But then we start picking at it. So it gives us another, it, now it's getting another, another signal from the outside to say, no, make that layer. So it's getting contradictory signals. Make it, pull it back, make it, pull it back. You have the power to see which one wins over. If you leave it alone, your body will pull it back. So yes, you're right there's something in your skin that's not supposed to be there. Because that's what they all say, right? There's something there, I, I gotta get this out. You're right, empower them. Tell them what it is. It's normal skin, you're making it. You've got the power to stop making it, quit picking at it, your body will pull it back in, okay? They love that, it gives them validity. It, 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 it makes them feel, you know what, I, I, okay, so I'm not crazy that I feel something's uh, you know, in my skin. So the stratum lucidum. All right, so who can look at this slide right here? Now, this, is, this is what happens to us, right? We come to these lectures, people throw up slides, and they're like, okay, and you can see the, uh, the nevus cells down here, and they go on, right? Uh, what? Hang on, okay, let's go. Stratum corny layer, all right? The horny layer, baby, right there, okay? And we go to the stratum granulosum. I need to sit this someplace so I can angle it better. So, so the granular layer is just this little thin, darker layer right here, okay? So stratum corneum, now this is called a basket weave of the stratum corneum, see how it's nice, it looks like a basket. Or another term you're gonna see for it is what's called orthokeratosis, all right, this nice little basket weave formation. Then you got the granular layer, then the stratum lucidum would be right along here, and you can almost imagine a little bit of it here, it's just kind of a thinner, lighter area, okay? Then you've got the stratum spinosum. And that's what all this stuff is right here. And you can imagine it almost looks like those cells are starting off and they're pointing one way, but then as they come up, they spin. Now it's actually the spiny layer and they call it spinosum for a different reason. So, corneum, granular, lucidum would be right there. You got the stratum spinosum and the basal layer, okay? The one, the two cell thick layer that kind of runs along. Dermis, composed of two layers papillary and the reticular uh, dermis, and it's delineated by this kind of imaginary line called the suprapapillary plexus. Aren't we learning a bunch of new words today? Principal component of the collagen, 70% the dry weight of skin. Other components that are down there, there's elastic fibers, there's this ground substance, which is a non-cellular gel-like 
composed of glycoproteins, proteoglycans, hyaluronic acid, a bunch of uh, kind of like signaling proteins is what this is. Now the papillary dermis is the uppermost layer of the dermis that flows along with what are called reedy ridges, these little bitty kind of thickenings, all right, or these little down sloping areas. And uh, the reticular dermis is composed of thick, densely packed type 1 collagen bundles. It's the majority of the dermis when I review it microscopically. All right? Then there's the paniculus. We're really not going to get into that today. It's fat. So here we go again. California girls love string bikinis, corneum, granular layer, spinosum, basal layer. Don't see the stratum lucidum. This is the papillary dermis. See this kind of spaghetti-like collagen right through here? Okay, and how it's tighter. And then you've got this imaginary line kind of running right along here where all of a sudden the dermis, this pink collagen bundles become thicker. They start to be, you know, more, uh, I don't know, there's just, they're just bigger bundles. So papillary, reticular, all right? And let me just show you one other thing here. Uh, little blood vessels right here, okay? Uh, another blood vessel down here. They've just got a little bit of musculature around them, a couple of maybe a little blood cell inside it. Now this is actually a nevus cell down here that you know we don't have to worry about that one, but that's what all this other blue stuff is down here. It's actually nevoid cells. But blood vessel, blood vessel, blood vessel. All right. By the time we're done with that slide, you're gonna be able to name everything, and it's really fun. Skin cells divide in the basal layer and move upward towards the horny layer, average 28 days travel. As the cells move, they flatten out and their nucleus disappears. That's what's called keratinization, okay? So it almost looks like they're spinning. That's the stratum spinosum. Parakeratosis, every biopsy, well not every, but you're gonna see that a lot. On the little pathology slide, you're gonna say, oh, there's parakeratosis and blah, blah, blah. So what that is, is when the nucleus does not disappear, in the stratum spinosum, it's retained, and you're going to see it up there in the stratum corneum. Or you can have hyperkeratosis, which is just a thickening of the stratum corneum. All right, so example here. Now notice how much different this is from our other slide. You've got the stratum corneum, right? This granular layer, which is really pretty kind of hypertrophic, or it's a lot thicker of a granular layer. And you can see the basal layer down here in your papillary dermis. So just a bunch and thicker uh, stratum corneum there. So that's hyperkeratosis or parakeratosis. Now, let's pay attention back up here to the corneum layer, the stratum corneum, and we can see all these little dots, little blue dots through here, okay? That is retained nuclei from the keratinocytes, and that's what's called confluent parakeratosis. Now, key word being confluent, there's other kinds of parakeratosis you can have. There's, uh, if you see in PRP, when the dermatopathologist is looking at it, they can see something called a checkerboard parakeratosis, where it's just kind of like little lines of it. Or if you ever bi uh, biopsy a porokeratosis, all right, where they've got that little ring, that Great Wall of China, what they see there is they will see lines. Oh, they will see like a linear poro, uh, parakeratosis. So confluent, <coughs> excuse me, confluent parakeratosis uh, is what this is called, and this is actually psoriasis right here, and we'll kind of get to this one in a minute. So between the keratinocytes, there's a cement substance contained in lamellar granules that is secreted in the granule and the horny layer. This brick and mortar configuration contributes to the cohesion and impermeability of the skin. So these little lamellar granules, if you imagine when the keratinocytes are coming up, they get to the granular layer and they start emptying the stuff out. They got these little organelles uh, called lamellar granules that start to secrete other things 
Uh, this is intro, we're not gonna get into everything, but you know, the, the, the ceramides and some other things like that, that's where all this stuff comes from. You can have problems with that area though. You can have problems with, lamellar, uh, with uh, the brick and mortar configuration and that's when we get lamellar ichthyosis and ichthyosis vulgaris. So, ichthyosis vulgaris. Now look, where's that stratum corneum? Look how thick it is. We don't have that basket weave anymore. And look, the granular layer is just kind of, it's, it's really not even there. All right, starting to see that now? Melanocytes, this is fun. Melanocytes, the pigment producing cells of the epidermis. Melanocytes have a ratio, depending on where they are in the body. So sometimes if the uh, dermatopathologist, maybe you're giving him two uh, slides or something like that, and he calls back and questions, hey, you know, where did, where, where'd you say this thing was? It's because they can actually look at the melanocytes and count the number of cells in between the melanocytes, and there's usually a ratio. Average is like 10 to one. So you get non-sun exposed skin on the back, you can have a ratio of like 10 to one keratinocytes to one melanocyte, all right? Darker individuals do not have more melanocytes, only more and larger melanosomes that are produced by the melanocytes, which are these pigment granules produced by the melanocytes. So here's how the melanocyte works. It's a dendritic cell. It's got a bunch of little arms and fingers, okay? It sits along the basal layer of the skin with its outstretched arms producing melanosomes that kind of travel down these little arms, and then as one of the dermatopathologists told me, they poop them out, okay? Or they let them go. The keratinocytes then take them up, okay? Well, the keratinocytes take them up and uh, use that melanin as a shield, as a cap. So let's, let's take a peek right here. So let's go to the basal layer, all right? Here's the basal layer. And let's look at this one right here. We've got a melanocyte right there. See this little darker nucleus with this iris, this kind of white iris? If we start counting, we can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eh, there might be another one right here. We can go the other way. Uh, which, there's a good one, oh yeah, like right here, there's another one, you can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, bam, 10. Isn't that kind of wild? Right there along this basal layer, this is where the melanocytes are supposed to stay, all right? Just hanging out right here, and they've got a ratio of 10 to one. Melanin forms a cap or a barrier over the nucleus of the keratinocyte and protects it from, uh, uh, you know, from UV radiation. Vitiligo is the destruction of the melanocytes. You don't see those things. You don't see the melanocytes down there. Albinism, you'll still see the normal number of melanocytes, but there just won't be any melanin, okay? Post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, or actually what you might get back on your path report is post-inflammatory uh, pigmentary alteration. Because interestingly enough, when you look at it under the microscope, they can't tell if it's hyperpigment or hypopigmented. What happens is you got those melanocytes all sitting there, and all those little melanosomes on the dendrites drop off, but instead of getting engulfed or taken up by the keratinocytes and shed off every 28 days, right, it lands down in the papillary dermis, and that just takes a long time for it to go away. Isn't this nerdy but fun? Melanoma, malignant proliferation of the melanocytes. So that's just, uh, you know, what the cancer is actually there. So this is an example of melanoma. California girls have string bikinis, so we got the stratum corneum, the basal layer, and this is supposed to be the, uh, the, the spinous layer right here, the stratum spinosum, and here's your basal layer. But you got these huge nests of 
the melanocytes and see how they've got a dark nucleus, but around each one of them, they've got this little kind of a, a, a white eyeliner around it, you know, just this kind of like little light around it. And then you've got this one way up here. Now, there's other ones up here too, but the point, this is called pagetoid spread. Pagetoid spread means that it's traveling up. Okay, it's traveling away, it's getting out of where it's supposed to be down here in the basal layer. That, for a lot of dermatopathologists, is pathognomonic for melanoma, when you get pagetoid spread, when it starts going up, because it ain't supposed to be there. Uh, another little example here of uh, melanoma, you got this big nest right here, stratum corneum, granular layer looks pretty good, and then all of a sudden you get down to this stuff. Now, you know, what we're gonna start seeing pretty soon, or more often, is the mitotic index. Y'all seen that? Yeah, so that's one zero to 10 or whatever. What they actually do, the dermatopathologist puts it on 40X, and they sit there and count. They move the slide around, and all they're doing is looking for how many times they see the individual melanocytes divide. The more they divide, the more aggressive the tumor is. That's it. It's nothing more you know, than Dr. Graham, the dermatopathologist, you know, sitting there going one, two, three, four, and he moves it down, one, two, that's it. That's the mitotic index. It's not that big of a deal. Mystery solved. Langerhans cells originate in the bone marrow, serve as an immune system gatekeeper. Needs hyaluronic acid for maturation and migration and UV exposure can deplete Langerhans cells. Really interestingly, that Langerhans cells also produce a bunch of cytokines, including IL-12, which we've talked about before, maybe being something for psoriasis. So, you know, whenever we stick our patients in the uh, light box, are we actually just depleting their Langerhans cells and decreasing their amount of UV-12, or their IL-12? You know, this isn't the psoriasis lecture, but I thought that's pretty neat. So what the Langerhans cells actually does is it sits along uh, it's a dendritic cell also. It's got all these little arms and feelers. This is what's called an immunoperoxidase S100 stain. It stains the Langerhans cells real good. Uh, and the Langerhans cells recognize, intake, process, present antigens, bad stuff, okay, to the immune system. Uh, so your immune system can uh, make a memory against it and fight stuff off. We lower that down, your immune system doesn't get so mad. That's, you know, Langerhans cells. Pretty cool, though, you can have problems with it. Langerhans cells histiocytosis, or what we used to call histiocytosis X, or my Hispanic teacher down in San Antonio would say Equis, histiocytosis Equis. Um, so we've got the stratum corneum here, and you can see all these big blue blobs here, okay, that are Langerhans cells. Let's zoom in, and the Langerhans cells, if you notice, have got like a floating nature. They're not made in the skin. They're made in the bone marrow. They travel to the skin. How cool is that? And then they float around in the skin with all those little arms and tentacles looking for bad stuff to grab so we can make a memory against it. And they've got what's called a reniform nuclei or a horseshoe-shaped nucleus right here. So they don't have connections. They float around. They can have problems. You can get uh, malignancy or hypersensitivity. They're kind of debates on what histiocytosis actually is. But that's what that is, the Langerhans cells right there. Uh, different kind of stains we can use. There's an H&E stain, which is hematoxylin and eosin stain. Hematoxylin stains the nuclei of the cells blue. Eosin stains basic structures, collagens, and proteins red. Does not stain elastic tissues. Then there's the IF stain. You know, when you get a blister and you get the perilesional skin and you say, I need an IF on that. Well, what they do is they actually tag uh, an antibody, an anti-human antibody. You know, it's IgG, IgA, M, C31, fibrin, uh, something else. Anyway, they, they, they tag that, and then what the uh, dermatopathologists are going to do 
is they are going to turn the lights off on the room. Uh, then they have this fluorescent, they have this fluorescent light underneath, and the little uh, antibodies will go to the uh, antigen and light up in that area if they're involved. And so this is an, uh, an IF stain of bullous pemphigoid right here. Now, they can't look at this and say, okay, this is bullous pemphigoid without being able to see, okay, there's linear IgG on the blister. They can't look at it and say exactly what it is. They have to know that this is the test for IgG. So you got your stratum spinosum. This is what, you know, like right here, uh, you know, right underneath it, right underneath the basal layer. However, there are sometimes clues for them. This is IgA, but if you notice, as opposed to how solid this is, you can have this little kind of granular stuff. And this is granular IgA, which is dermatitis repetiformis. So they do have some, uh, some clues sometimes. So it's just kind of a neat, pretty slide uh, to see. So there's also gram stain, which stains bacterial properties, or excuse me, stains bacteria. Gram positive, y'all remember, was purple. Gram negative, pink. I always kind of like to consider it red because, you know, negative, stop, red. That's how I always remembered it. Uh, so what's going to happen is you'll send your, you don't, you, don't, you don't know if it's eczema, you don't know if they got an infection, you send your little biopsy in, uh, the dermatopathologist can look at it and say, okay, here's the stratum corneum, the granular layers, the spinous layer, here's the basal layer, all of these dark blue blobs here, okay, as opposed to being those, uh, uh, the, the nevus cells, these don't have, these are just almost all nucleus, okay? These are all lymphocytes, so this just means inflammation. So whenever they see this and they see all these perivascular lymphocytes, it means inflammation, the body's rushing in there to try to fix something. They look back up here in the stratum corneum and they see these big globs up here of bacteria. And then they say, okay, well, you know, you don't have your path back yet because we're gonna get a gram stain on it. So when they gram stain it, you can actually see the bacteria and you can say, okay, this is a, a gram positive stain. This actually turned out to be no cardiosis, but that's how that works. They see bacteria, then they get the gram stain. They see the inflammation. They let them know, okay, they need to do some further testing. There's also a PAS stain, which you look for fungus. It shows the basement membrane real nice. Remember we were talking about the uh, epidermal lysis bullosa before where you can see the basement membrane? Uh, the PAS stain will stain that. There's a GEMSA stain, which stains a whole bunch of other stuff. But this is an example of a PAS stain. So you can see the fungus. This is just tinea versicolor, but you can see it all really nice right up there in the uh, stratum corneum. And then you can see this basement membrane. So see the basal layer down here, this one nice little layer of cells. It seems like all the cells are pointing upwards. Right underneath this, this little dark pinker layer is what's called the basal, uh, the, the basement membrane. So PAS stain. So everybody feel a little bit more comfortable with this slide now? You can look at it, you can say stratum corneum, granular layer, stratum spinosum, basal layer, papillary dermis, reticular dermis, blood vessels, nevus cells. Pretty cool, huh? It's not too nerdy, is it? Ah, maybe it's just me. Okay, uh, spongiosis. Look at some, let's look at some problems. So spongiosis. Now what this is talking about, it looks like the cells turn into little sponges. You've got this intracellular edema leading to separation of the cells, causing the intracellular bridges, or the desmosomes, to appear stretched. That's actually why they call it the spinous layer, because when this happens, you've got all these little bitty spines that stick out. Usually indicates some kind of an external irritation, when severe enough leads to formation of crusts and vesiculation. So you've got your stratum corneum, you've got your spinosum, basal layer, and then you've got this area right here. What's going on? Well, you zoom into it, and you can see all these little keratinocytes are just stretched out. They're hanging on for dear life with their buddies next to them saying, oh God, please don't let go, something's going on, and they're all stretched out, and that's what spongiosis is. Now, you can tell sometimes if it's acute, subacute, or chronic, 
based on other factors and other changes. You can have perikeratosis. Remember, that's the retention of the nuclei up in the stratum corneum because it means it's been going on a little bit longer, okay? It's not so acute. It's gone on long enough now that some of the keratinocytes are starting to mess up. You usually don't see spongiotic vessels in the chronic. You can have some white blood cells, dilation of the, upper, uh, of the vessels in upper dermis, edema in the upper dermis. Uh, sometimes if it's an atopic dermatitis, they'll see some eosinophils, maybe some mast cells. So here's subacute, all right? We've got parakeratosis. We've got some spongiosis, but it's not tremendous. We've got some lymphocytes around here, even one there, and you've got some fibrin. Uh, we're starting to get a little bit wet, you know? The blood vessels are leaking out so much, they're starting to leak out some of the proteins. Or you can have lichen simplex chronicus. <coughs> Interestingly enough, lichen simplex chronicus, this is one that's been picked instead of rubbed. If it was rubbed, you'd have a whole bunch of parakeratosis. It would be a lot thicker. Okay, and that's what parakeratosis, that's what the scale, when you feel of stuff, it's actually parakeratosis. This one has just been rubbed, so now the reedy ridges have become really long and jagged, and the collagen, that little spaghetti stuff, is really starting to stretch down. Your body's getting mad, it's trying to fight itself off, but the parakeratosis keeps getting picked off. Seb K, everybody's biopsied one of these. If you haven't, oh, it's a joy, you got to. Uh, it's papillomonas epithelial perforation with basaloid appearing cells. You get this string sign, which is the lower border of the lesion is horizontal and sharply demarcated, hyperkeratosis and acanthosis and some horn cysts. You'll ever see those little sebs when you freeze them, they got the little dots that come up, kind of helpful. It's almost like a diagnostic marker. You can do a little light LN2 and then they all have little buttons in it. Uh, kind of helps you out to identify it's a seb K. But, that's what those look like right here. So here's a Seb K under the microscope. You've got that string sign, okay? It's just this, you know, it, it's not down here. It's all sitting right up here. And the cells look kind of like basal cells, all right? This little lower, there's this dark purple right there. Or the Seb K that you see on those old guys' scalp, you know, when you feel the top of their head, you're like, I don't know if that's an AK or a Seb K, and you do a little freeze on it, and you see all that stuff. Well, what you're seeing here are these papillomatosis, this, uh, this kind of little invaginations of the skin down here. You've got some, uh, you know, retention, some, uh, some uh, uh, excuse me, hyperkeratosis down here. Yeah. So psoriasis. Everybody seems like they've talked about psoriasis today on all their lectures, haven't we? Well, why don't we look at it? We can see exactly what it is. Hyperkeratosis and parakeratosis. And key, you're going to see some neutrophils in the epidermis. You're going to have thinning of the epidermis overlying the dermal papillae and vessels very close to the epidermis. And then these elonged, club-like reedy ridges. Really cool. Everybody know what the Auschwitz sign is? You scratch it and you get that little pinpoint bleeding. Well, the reason is, is because you've got this thinning of the epidermis overlying the dermal papillae. Here's that thing we saw again. Now, look at all this, okay? So you got the confluent parakeratosis, and that's actually this up here. These other little blue things right here, those are neutrophils in, uh, in the stratum corneum, which is a tip-off, okay? So I, I wish y'all could see this a little bit better. I mean, it's the biggest screen I've ever seen, but still, you've got the parakeratosis really good around here, neutrophils, and look right here. We've got a little bit of stratum lucidum, so now you can kind of get an idea about what that is. It's just a lighter colored area. You got these reedy ridges that look like clubs, okay? They're not that nice little wavy thing anymore. It almost looks like you could take this and beat somebody with it. And then you've got, uh, what else? You've got the papillary thinning, so this is why you get the Auschwitz sign whenever you pick it, is because it's so thin. Like in planus, irregular acanthosis, 
focal hypergranulosis with a wedged shape with the base upward, which is Wickham's stria. We can take a look at Wickham's stria under the microscope here. You get a sawtooth appearance of the reedy ridges. You get something called colloid bodies and destruction of the basal layer. So here is that hypergranulosis. Can you all see it's kind of like a little wedge shape? So that granular layer that's coming along all of a sudden really thickens up. And you can see this is Wickham's stria. That's what that's from right there. Uh, you get some hyperkeratosis. You get this reedy ridge that is sawtooth in appearance. A little bit of destruction here down in the uh, basal layer. Leukocytoclastic vasculitis. Everybody's biopsied that one too before. Vascular, perivascular leukocytes. You get some dust from these white blood cells just getting ruptured. You get extravasation of the erythrocytes. You get some red blood cells in there. You get fibrinoid necrosis of the vessel walls. So here's our nice orthokeratosis. Okay, this lets us know, hey, there's not like necessarily an outside irritation. We don't have a bunch of parakeratosis. Granular layer looks pretty good. Stratum spinosum looks nice. Reedy ridges are kind of nice and flowing. Basal cell layer looks pretty good. Wham, look at the inflammation around these blood vessels right here. Okay, that's leukocytoclastic vasculitis. Kind of makes sense there. And you got some of this little dust, basically. You'd have to zoom in on this, but it's just white blood cells that have been destroyed. Basal cell carcinoma, really fun one to see under the microscope, probably one of the easier ones. Basaloid cells with dark elongated nuclei. Cells demonstrate what's called a palisading arrangement. Try to Google palisading, you ain't gonna find anything. You Google palisade and it's gonna start showing you pictures of fences, like a palace. It's an external wall, okay? Cells lie in groups or nests. They're surrounded by this fibromucinous stroma, and there is a lymphomononuclear infiltrate and solar elastosis may be seen. So you're going to see some white blood cells and some really chewed up collagen. So here's the basal cell. It's stratum corneum, granular layer, stratum spinosum, basal layer. And look at this. See how all these little cells line up? See how they're pointing in? That's that palisading, uh, peripheral palisading arrangement. Then you got this stromal retraction. The basal cell is actually pulling away. You'll ever do a little biopsy of a basal cell and it looks like the whole thing, you could just like thump it out, okay? That's the stromal retraction. That's why it looks like that. It's because it's pulling away from the normal skin. You almost could just kind of scrape it out, really. I mean, who, who's seeing, I see any basal cells all day long, but every once in a while, you get this micronodular one. Now look how different this is. It's all down here in the collagen, all these red bundles of collagen. And the little basaloid tumors are very small. They still have that palisading arrangement, the little bit, little blue kind of all points in. Not so much stromal retraction that you can see, but that's why micronodular basal cells don't typically do too well with C and D. They might need Mohs surgery or a wider excision. <clears throat> Actinic keratosis, excuse me. <coughs> I don't know who, sat, who was in the room next to me last night, but they came in at three o'clock and then sat there and talked. Y'all can hear that from the room? Like, you know, I guess their bed was right there. I had to call security on them like at three in the morning. So I got like zero sleep last night. Sorry if I lose my voice on you. Uh, actinic keratosis, atypical cells in the epidermis that are large, irregular shaped in size. So that's polymorphic. That just means, you know, bunch of different changes, bunch of different looks with nuclei that are dark and large and variable in size, pleomorphic. Pleo just means more. So you got a bunch of changes with more changes. So it just looks wrong, all right? Then you got some dyskeratotic cells. The keratinocytes don't look normal either. They can be dark, eosinophilic rounded cells with small, darkly condensed nuclei. We'll have some parakeratosis. The dermis is gonna show a whole bunch of chewed up collagen or solar elastosis. You're gonna have some inflammation. Bam, there it is, okay? So look, stratum corneum, granular layer, 
stratum spinosum, basal layer is real good until, oh, over here. Look at this, here's the start of the actinic keratinocyte. Right here, you got parakeratosis, and this is nice, you can really compare and contrast right there. <clears throat> so you got parakeratosis, basal layer starting to look a little bit haphazard, got all this inflammation, see all these lymphocytes underneath it, okay? And then this solar elastosis, remember that big, thick type one collagen bundles? They're really getting chewed up down here. That's what the sun does to us, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. So that's an AK. <clears throat> And here is an AK on medium power, all right? Got your orthokeratosis, your granular layer, uh, stratum spinosum, and then all of a sudden you really start to see that these cells down here, it's just not a normal progression. Here's a normal progression of, you know, the typical uh, keratinocytes as they move up and, and uh, lose, their, uh, lose their nucleus. This is just really kind of haphazard. The cells aren't doing it, and this is all subtle stuff, okay? That's why you can send two biopsies to two different dermatopathologists and come back with five different answers. This is all really subtle, but, and I talked to my uh, dermatopathologist yesterday because somebody, we, we heard something yesterday that I didn't think was quite right. You should not see an actinic keratosis go down in the hair follicle, okay? If you do, that's squamous cell carcinoma. So whenever we freeze and we're chasing our tail or whatever by freezing actinic keratosis because it can delve down in here, you should call that a squamous cell carcinoma and it needs a different treatment, all right? Here's squamous cell carcinoma. Now if we look and compare and contrast this, all right, you've got these irregular cells, but it seems like they kind of normalize up here. All right, and all subtle stuff again. So you've got this irregular kind of shifting, and it looks like the wind is blowing these cells around a little bit, but it kind of normalizes. It gets a little bit better. Normal progression here, irregular through here, but it ends up okay. Squamous cell carcinoma in situ, it just never really ends up okay. That's the difference. That's what the pathologists are looking at under the microscope. Where do these keratinocytes start to fix themselves? Where do they start to normalize and lose their nucleus? Well, in squamous cell carcinoma, they don't. In squamous cell carcinoma in situ. So that's the subtle difference between an AK and an SCC is just based on the haphazard arrangements of the keratinocytes and the stratum spinosum and if it goes all the way up or not. Too nerdy? All right. Squamous cell carcinoma, downgrowth of the epidermis. You've got these large polymorphic cells with dyskeratosis, with pinkish hue, individual cell necrosis, keratin pearls, and acantholysis occasionally. Remember how early we were talking about the desmosomes were grabbing onto each other and saying, please God, don't leave me, right? Acantholysis, exact opposite. The desmosomes pull in and they say, leave me alone. If they say, leave me alone, that's, kind of, that's when we think, well, maybe this thing's going to spread a little easier. Maybe it's going to be able to get in the blood vasculature and go someplace else. Maybe it's going to be metastatic. So that's what the acantholysis is all about. So here's squamous cell carcinoma. Stratum corneum's beat up. you got all this stuff here. It's just all pink, kind of like the stratum spinosum should be, but it's all the way down here. And you guys, you can't see the acantholysis, but you can see some of these keratin pearls. Have you ever done a biopsy in a little squame and you can see those little dots in it? but they're like a little white. You ever seen that before? Kind of little white uh, beads inside of it. And that's the keratin pearls right there. Here's a bigger view of it. You know, this atypical keratinocyte, this little pseudogland. You can see some of the acantholysis. It's kind of wanting to let go. It's not really hanging on to anybody around it. This is solar elastosis with telangiectasias. You're gonna see this one in tons of slides. Stratum corneum, granular layer, stratum spinosum, basal layer, and then this should have been pink. Remember, what happened to our spaghetti? Where's our reedy ridges? Where'd everything go? 
you know, where's that type one thick bundled uh, collagen down here? It almost all kind of looks the same. That's what the sun does to us. This is solar elastosis, and all of these are blood vessels through here. All of these are telangiectasias, and there's just a ton of them. No inflammation around them. We're not seeing all that blue and all the redness. This is just chewed up old skin from the sun. All right, final test. Stratum corneum, granular layer, stratum spinosum. We've got some Langerhans cells scattered through here. We've got melanocytes that are like at a 10 to 1 ratio typical. All right, you've got your papillary dermis. You've got your reticular dermis, some blood vessels, some neva cells, which are just kind of a, happen to be in this slide, and now you'll know. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Is there any, any questions? Please, God, don't ask anything hard. No? Okay. Thank you, guys. See you all later.